Hello, and welcome to Rewired, a brand new podcast. Whether you are a baby boomer or a millennial, planning ahead or already enjoying retirement, this show is designed to inspire your imagination with helpful information to invite you to live your best life. And now, here's our host, Duchess Dale. May 24th, rewiring with you. Yesterday, the 23rd, was National Lucky Penny Day. Do you still pick up pennies on the ground when you see them? I do. Not just because I love the color copper and Mr. Lincoln, but there is something about that childlike innocence that I think, oh, today's going to be my lucky day, and it turned around just now. So much so that often when I'm out and about, if I find pennies in my pocket or my purse, I will just toss them in hopes that someone else finds them later on and experiences that same childlike magic. (laughs) Tomorrow, May 25th, is National Tap Dance Day. I love to tap dance, but I love listening to a really good tap dancer even more, which inspires my daily word. The daily word for National Tap Dance Day is tintinabulation. Yes, I know technically it refers to the little bells and twinkling sounds like fairies, but when I hear a really good hoofer like Gregory Hines tap dancing, that is tintinabulation for me. I find it very therapeutic. And speaking of therapeutic, a reminder that we are in May, the Mental Health Awareness Month, established in 1949 for the purpose of bringing awareness and validity about the importance of our mental health. My opinion, our culture, our society is very focused on physical health, which is a good thing. We need health to function, to do what we want to do. But we spend bazillions of dollars on physical health and how we look, and quite often not as much attention or support to our inside health. And mental awareness is so important And over the past few decades, I'm grateful to say that it's become okay to not be okay, to not feel okay, and to seek support to get one through that. Movies and TV now really help to illustrate how important it is for mental well-being, including the new popular series that I love, Ted Lasso. Last month, the cast and crew were invited to the White House to help promote awareness about mental health. And that's because the series has been focusing on emotional challenges with panic attacks and anxiety. So the cast and crew came to help endorse the idea of getting support. The star, Jason Sudeikis, encouraged people to check in on their families, their neighbors, their coworkers and friends to ensure mental well-being because interestingly enough our mental well-being is something that we might have in common don't talk about no matter what our other differences are he also discussed the significance significance of not being quote end quote afraid to ask for help ourselves whether we're asking for help from a family member a bff or a professional it's important to do that So I started thinking about, well, how do I know when I'm stressed or having a panic attack? 
Um, being an introvert, that happens a lot when I'm out in public. And that's an easy one because I start to feel really jittery and I notice that I'm not breathing as fully and deeply. And then I thought, well, what other little stress cues do I have? And I have a really quirky one. When I'm stressed out, I start to brush my teeth really hard and really fast. I have no idea why, but now I know that when I do that, there's something else going on. And it's a clue for me to kind of do a self check-in. What's going on that's creating anxiety, nervousness, overwhelm. And then I usually turn to some of my typical techniques, which are deep breathing, conscious breathing. I use meditation, prayer, um, exercise. I even make sure I take dance breaks throughout the day. And I encourage that. Even if you're not really physically up to getting up on, the, on your feet and dancing around the house, put on an oldie buddy goodie and just sit there and rock out and shift the energy of that anxiety to maybe being clear about what's really going on so that you can get the support and help you need. And that's something our sponsor, the Aging and Long-Term Services Department of New Mexico offers. You can go on to their amazingly helpful, resourceful website at www.aging.nm.gov and look up some tips on how to get mental health support, physical support, if you're needing food or shelter. And you can also call them on the phone. It is 1-800-432-2080. Care enough to inquire about a loved one but primarily for your for your own self. Uh, see, I get all I got all clumped about this, so sorry about that. But care enough to inquire of someone you care about, but particularly for yourself. And if you need to, reach out and get that help. topic of today's guest interview is what inspired me to name this episode Scamarama. Not because he's a scam, in fact he's the real deal. Tim Strzok is the Chief Information Officer working with the Aging and Long-Term Services Department and he is here today to, well I can't resist it, share information <laughs> about how to protect ourselves in technology with avoiding scams and hackers. Well, welcome back. And for today's guest, I am excited to have Tim Strzok. He is the Chief Information Officer, CIO, at Aging and Long-Term Services Department. And today we're going to talk about some basics about technology, just to kind of make it more user-friendly. So welcome, Tim. Good morning, and thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> well, you are probably the man of the hour of the century because technology has become like a, a guest at the table. And so I'd love it if you could tell our listeners kind of what you do for the department as well as how that might impact the seniors this month since it's Older Americans Month and probably a lot of us who may not be seniors but are listening who could learn about the technology that is in our world. So take it away, Tim. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you. Um, so uh, as the Chief Information Officer for Aging and Long-Term Services, I'm responsible for the overall uh, information technology infrastructure for the agency. Now, what does that mean? That's a lot yeah. of big there, right? That is a big um, sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm responsible for everything from our employees' use of laptops and cell phone to the technology that we provide to the seniors and older adults that we serve. And that could be anything from the long-term care facilities. Uh, back when COVID happened in March of 2020 and things were closed down, um, we needed to quickly adapt and find a way for the older adults in those settings to be able to keep in touch with their families. So. Uh -huh. Uh, in collaboration with our long-term care ombudsman program, we actually delivered 350 tablets across the state of New Mexico to all of the long-term care facilities to enable those folks to keep in touch with their families. And that was the initial, that was the initial uh, goal was to, to make sure that they had a mechanism and it was very well received. In fact, today, we still have well over 50 of those long-term care settings still utilizing those tablets. Um, the other ones are using them as well but they've also, <clears throat> excuse me, adapted to the uh, technology boom that kind of happened during COVID. It, it really <laughs> the lemonade us, out of the lemon. Okay, exactly. <laughs> it forced us to embrace technology. I think in a way that that we haven't before, and so. Um, that's really my role is, is to ensure that the technology that we use uh, meets the needs of the people that we serve. And again, that could be our employees. It could be our constituents. And so we're continually evolving how we integrate technology into our lives. Amazing and impressive and very grateful for what you and your team did, particularly during the pandemic. So if you were sitting with one of those people and maybe you handed them a laptop or you're sitting with me, what can you tell us about technology to make it a little more user friendly? Absolutely. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that our older adults don't use technology. Uh, when we first started doing outreach during COVID to ensure that folks have what they need, the services that they need, mm -hmm. um, you know, we were very heavily reliant that that people were going to call in on our on our hotlines via the traditional telephone, right? Which is still a very popular mechanism. However, there's also a very large percentage of older adults who leverage technology in the way that a lot of teenagers do. They're just as active on <laughs> social media sites, TikTok, Facebook. Um, they're they're just as active as some of some of our younger generations, and so. Um, I think that that helped us understand how we needed to start marketing ourselves as an organization, as an agency, providing information oh. and our services, but also keeping in mind that you're right. Sometimes technology can be a little frustrating. Um, it can be a little challenging. And so we keep that in mind as far as the, the interface goes with whatever we're creating, whether it's an application, whether it's our website, we really want to make sure that we're uh when we're targeting a specific audience, in this case, our older adults, that we're mm -hmm. making it really as friendly as we can so that they can ingest it in the most, uh, in the simplest way possible, right? So that it's not frustrating. And then that we have a resource to provide support should there be um, any issues with our technology, a good feedback process. And we really like to engage our older adults in that regard uh, to that every time we do something, we do it with thoughtfulness, care, and of course, with the goal of serving them in the best way possible. That's fantastic. I, I, <laughs> you could clone yourself and your department for 
for all of the citizens. <laughs> and you don't have to be a certain age and up because sometimes, as you mentioned, technology can be a little frustrating and daunting with all the changes and updates and all the new things, which I'm hoping that uh, we can have another conversation later about AI, artificial intelligence, because that is now the sometimes scary buzzword that's going on regarding technology. Absolutely. No, and I appreciate that. And I would be happy to be back to discuss that with you. (laughs) So one of the things I'd love for you to address in regards to technology and the department is the scam and spam (laughs) that, you know, there is so much that goes on with either through um, text messages, emails, or certainly phone calls, people calling older adults, they seem to be targeted and scaring the heck out of them about their social security or their benefits or their family. So is there anything you can share about scamming and spamming that would be helpful for the listeners? Absolutely. So first and foremost, um, within the last year, it's been about a year, we partnered with the New Mexico Attorney General's office to launch our own scam alerts campaign. Um, And so on our website at aging.nm.gov, folks can go and sign up right on the homepage uh, to be alerted to scams as they come out. So oftentimes we're alerted of scams that come around that, uh, you know, target Medicare, Medicaid. Uh, They, you know, they just target our older adults because Mm -hmm. they know that it's a vulnerable population. And so to try to get ahead of that a little bit, we again, we partnered with the attorney general here in New Mexico uh, to, to establish a database. It's completely voluntary and we use it just for that communication. We use it so that we can blast out via text and email uh, these scams that we're alerted to. Um, And so what it also helps do, I think, is keep us mindful that when we receive an email or a text, we should know where it's coming from. So, you know, if it's not from someone that you know, or if it just looks suspicious and spammers are getting more creative, right? They're they're (laughs) learning to change the email name so that it looks like it's coming from Tim. But in reality, there's some keys and clues within the email that can dictate or tell you that it's a spam message. So it's being mindful of that misspelling in an email name or maybe an unrecognizable email name, some gibberish, right? Mm -hmm. Things like that. Numbers on your cell phone. If you get a text and you're not sure who it's from, um, spammers love to use those shortened hyperlinks in text messages. It's just best to delete and not click. So most importantly, if you're not sure or it doesn't feel right, just ignore it. I always feel and tell people this, if it's really that important and somebody is trying to reach you, they will find a way to reach Yes. But in reality, yeah, majority of those are just there to target, unfortunately. And we've had a couple of those reports to our agency where individuals have clicked on a link or given their Mm -hmm. credit card information, right? And it's a scary, daunting process. But again, in partnership with the AG, we can always direct folks to the tools out there to help combat those types of scams if they are impacted. Acted, uh, by an email or a text scam. And I, you're absolutely right. And and they, the hacker spammers, whatever the right title is, they've gotten more creative. It used to be it come in with an odd looking number. Now I've noticed they've got the our New Mexico area code 505 comes in and you go, oh, it must be someone local, someone friendly. <laughs> exactly. And, and it's not always. So you're right. If you don't recognize the number, it's better to err on the side of caution and delete it. And as you say, someone will call you back or you can, you know, call someone and say, did you try to reach me and see what happens? Because it's a little scary. And now let's go to the spam emails, 
because as you said, it comes in with different names or um, funny symbols and things. And are there some tips that besides the the classic, oh, hi, I'm stuck in a city and I need $500, please help send me a check because whatever, and somehow it gets uh, sent out to everybody. What uh, What are some of the flags someone could look for in a spam email? Um, oftentimes in spam emails, there's references to other links to click to enter their information, whether it be mm. their credit card or, you know, any personal information, really. Um, that's the key. If it's really advised, if you didn't sign up for something, you're not on, doing online shopping, you're not doing something where you know that you're creating an account and you receive an email that says, we need you to verify. Again, just kind of look at the email. Take a look at the header information where the to and the from addresses are. Those are usually key points um, of, of, of spam emails. Secondarily, again, if the body of the email has pictures or hyperlinks, don't click them. Most of the time, these are canned messages that, that say we're we're from the Social Security Administration, right? And they they may even use a similar logo or even the same logo to try to yes. trick. But in reality, most government entities won't typically send that type of unsolicited email to you. Um, right. And they'll usually correspond via, you know, postal mail or even via, you know, telephone, depending on the circumstance. It's not always the case, but it's just, you know, a good idea to be aware that if you're not expecting something or if there's a question, if there's something that comes in and it's pretending to be from Social Security Administration mm -hmm. and you're not comfortable or you're not, then look up the actual number on their website and give right. them a call and, and talk right. to someone. It, it, it might be a little bit of extra time, but in the long run, it saves uh, a lot of heartache once, uh, you know, that information's out there. Once, once folks tend to succumb to some of these, uh, you know, spam email messages, and text messages and they enter their personal information, it can be quite the headache. It can be very costly and expensive, right? I mean, folks can then use your name and likeliness for credit for other things. Um, and it just, it can become a real headache and a difficult thing to navigate. So trying to be as proactive and aware upfront will save a lot of heartache and it saves a lot of, of money for folks. Unbelievably, scams take billions of dollars every year away from people, Um <clears throat> Just because they they again they call they they click they they text and this is what ends up happening. So it's just really taking a second. I know we see like email from Tim, and as much as we're loved and we want to read emails from Tim, we gotta make sure that it's actually Tim sending those emails. So you know, being mindful of of, of and knowing you know what you're reading and what you're looking at before you click, really take a look at that message, especially if it's not something that looks very familiar to you. I think that's that's valid. And I, I think just to make sure people understand, when you say hyperlink, and I know what you mean, it's typically the line that has a website address that shows up in blue that you click on and it takes you right to that to that web, whether it's legitimate or not. So when you say hyperlink, usually in one of those emails, it says, click here either to redeem your reward yep. <laughs> or to verify your information. And oh, here, click here. And for $5, we're going to give you 250 And then they have all your critical credit card information and stuff. So that's a hyperlink, correct? That is correct. Yes, that, that's a great clarification. And to add to that, to one more 
point is, you know, they'll usually ask you to click, uh, you know, enter some information. Other scams also utilize the gift card method where they ask you to go to a local store and purchase gift cards and then send it to an address. That That's a, that's a key indicator of a scam. Um, again, if they're a legitimate entity and you actually do need to make a payment or you need to deal with something, there's usually a more formalized process. Uh, the Social Security Administration is not going to ask you for $500 <laughs> worth of Target gift cards, right? So those, no. but but it can be daunting and folks, you know, in that emotional time when they're feeling like, you know, if their their benefits are questioned or they're at jeopardy, right? Folks can get into a little bit of a panic. And when we panic, we can sometimes make those decisions that aren't the greatest at the moment. So it's important that though it may seem important and 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 they can use those words like we're going to cancel your benefits, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to need to verify. Again, most entities and the government entities especially aren't going to ask you for a credit card to verify who you are. They will have right. other means and mechanisms through your personal information to be able to verify your identity. So just be cognizant that anytime anybody asks you to submit a credit card or any type of thing like that for verification or ID verification, just be just be cautious of that because that can lead again to those types of, of scams. But Yes, the yeah. back to your original question, the hyperlinks, the little blue thing uh, usually follows www or http. Uh, those are the things to look out for. And typically, again, you'll see if it's if it's if it's actually typed out or the URL or the the web link is typed out. You'll often see those anomalies that I talked about earlier: misspellings, really funky looking website addresses, things like that. <laughs> Yeah, slightly. And I know that, uh, oh, there's so much to talk about. I know that that uh, companies, certain big ones like PayPal and I forget who else, they have what uh, you can write them, what they call phishing. Mm-hmm. And it's often spelled P-H-I-S-H, phishing to notify them as spoof at, because they'll have the logo. You're absolutely right. They've gotten so creative and you see the logo and you go, oh, that must be PayPal. But if you really look down at the bottom at the little, you know, the the footer, it'll be spelled wrong. Or the thing that you mentioned that I've learned is I check the sender. And if you go back to the two and you suddenly see it's got an email address like 7123BBB at some strange thing, you know, that's not coming from the organization they are pretending to represent. And um, I also know that the government, at least the Social Security office, doesn't call you unless you have an appointment. So if someone is calling you saying, hi, this is the Social Security office, uh, please give me your number to verify it's really you. That's not how it works. So your general caveat and caution of if you're in doubt at all, call the organization, take the extra time and say, are you trying to reach me or is this legit? So let's say a a, a listener, either an email or a phone call text finds is having a scammer and they go to the website. What, What information do they give on the website, that email address or the phone number? What do they have to be aware of to report it? So there's a on our on the uh, aging and long term services website we have a link to our scam page as I, I referenced earlier which allows you to sign up for alerts and so there's a process if you do elect to opt in to the, be notified of those scams and such um, you'll have to confirm it'll send you an email saying you signed up for alerts you know and and you know here's here's how this will work um, if somebody is impacted by a scammer they they click on a link and they enter information um, on that excuse me on that same website. 
website, we have a link to the attorney general's website, which has a whole page on how you can report and deal with scams if you've been impacted. And in certain cases, they have a dedicated unit uh, for specific types of scams. So, uh, you know, Medicare is a big is a big one. And, and we yeah. know that, that impacts a lot of our older adults. And so there is ways that you can work with uh, through the New Mexico Attorney Generals as well at the federal level with our federal partners on these types of scams. And there's resources out there for people to be prepared to make sure that if they are compromised or they do submit that data, that there's ways that you can try to get ahead of it to to prevent anything happening to your bank accounts. You know, one thing I always tell people is I know it's not a, a, a popular topic, but strong passwords really do make a difference. Um, and keeping those passwords safe make a difference. And I know sometimes it's easy to jot it down on a sticky note and put it on the underneath our tablet or our laptop, but that's really not practice. There are things out there nowadays called password managers that you can mm -hmm. download. There's some reputable ones um, that you can store your passwords in so that you're not having to remember. But, you know, I, I know we've all kind of been trained. If you've been in the workforce in the last probably 25 years, you know, eight character passwords with a number or a letter and a special character, which are great. But the reality is in today's world, those passwords are, though they may be strong um, with the computer technology that exists, are, are, are easily hacked, believe it or not. And there's been a lot of research around utilizing password phrases and a lot of the, the regulations and rules out there are being updated in the security realm to have longer passphrases, um, mm -hmm. something that's easy to remember, like I, for example, my favorite color is blue. And, you know, then you have an, an, an actual sentence. And on the geeky side, on the tech side, what that means is that hash that it uses to store that password is a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, more complex because it's a longer password. So yeah. even with computers trying to hack or even crack passwords, it makes it a lot long. It takes it a lot longer to try to get to that realm. And so it's also that, you know, hackers and spammers, utilize what most people's thoughts are. So if they know a little bit of something about you, right, mm -hmm. they can often guess because pe this is why we tell folks not to use names of their kids, streets <laughs> that they grew up on, right? right? Common things that are easy to find out. And believe it or not, a lot of hackers will use social media to try to find information out about you in order to try to exploit you from a digital perspective, right? And, uh -huh. and when you when I say this, it's not like there's one individual just sitting at a computer manually scrolling through everybody's Facebook. They're using computer technology to do this. They write code to be able to do this. And so it's not like it's a one-to-one -one that there's somebody sitting there trying to exploit you specifically. They're doing this using computer computers, massive computer uh, data centers to, to do this type of thing, because it's a very profitable thing for them. Billions of dollars every year are lost to scams. And so, oh. you know, it's, 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 it's disheartening and it's unethical, but unfortunately it's what we deal with. And so just be prepared to try to keep a little bit more uh, awareness around what you're doing, especially in the digital realm. Uh, you know, the internet's a very vast place. It's a very big place. And there's the dark sides of the web as well. And those <laughs> things, again, it, it, to not to scare folks, but just be aware of your surroundings, just as you would if you were in a crowded place in public. Most folks mm -hmm. are aware of who are around them, right? Mm -hmm. So that they keep their effects secure, their wallets, their purses. We've all been taught that. Make sure you keep your stuff close to your body, right? It's the same thing in the digital realm. Be aware of what you're looking at, what you're doing before you click anything, verify, 
what you're 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 clicking on and that you know that again that you're supposed to receive that email so it i know we went on, i went off tangent a little bit there but no no that is the stuff that we need to really educate everyone about be be cognizant of your passwords make sure you're not writing them down where folks can easily get to them and do not make them common things that people could figure out about you that's the best thing that i can recommend I so agree. And it's so funny you brought that up because that was going to be my next, let's talk about passwords. <laughs> because I think you you actually nailed it. A lot of us are still operating on, you know, like 10 years ago. Oh, I can just add a different exclamation point or capitalize that and it'll be fine. And to hear you say that, yes, you're right. There, It's not just some, some little team in a corner trying to, you know, manually figure out passwords. It's a computerized, it's a business now, in a way, I would say, to find scam options. And you're absolutely right about social media. And that's why I think there's so many um, data breaches that happen. For example, and this is my personal thing, but my husband and I do not use Facebook Messenger on our phones after Cambridge Analytical breach, because somehow that seemed to... So we are a little more careful, but you're right. Anybody could go on someone's on Facebook page or Instagram or TikTok and go, oh, I see. All right. So she has a husband, two kids, three grandchildren, four dogs. They're named this and this. And you've got information that the computer can then with algorithms and maybe, oh, my God, even with AI, be able to figure out stuff. Oh, geez. Okay. I I got carried away. It gets so... (laughs) It's you are you are you are right on point with that though absolutely oh. and so to add to that you know I think what you you hit a very important point right there which is anytime we use a platform right anytime we use a public platform Facebook TikTok you know uh, Snapchat any of those services it is these are private companies and they make money by by selling data by selling information right and so mm-hmm. every time we sign up for something i'm sure we everybody has seen those what they call the eulas or end user license agreements and what those are is they tell you the company's agreement that you're uh, you know agreeing to, to for you to access their their services right facebook is a service <laughs> and so yeah. it's important to remember that everything that you post right from your favorite coffee drink to your favorite clothes on the back end they're using that data to market things to you via advertising and so the reality is anytime you post something online you're you're really consenting for that organization to use that data in a way to market services to you right. now one might think well that's an innocent thing and in some <laughs> cases it is right but depending on the platform they may sell to third parties and those third parties you know could be not very reputable as we've seen right. over the years with different with different lawsuits that have happened you know they've partnered with ads or ad agencies that aren't very reputable that are known to inject uh viruses and malware on people's computers and so it's it goes back to being cognizant of what you're posting and what you're doing um and if you again don't feel comfortable then the best way to avoid that is not 
to engage with those platforms. Um, on the flip side, you know, as as a as a state government entity, we often reach out to folks, and and I get the hesitancy when folks are 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 you know worried about why we're collecting their data. But I can assure folks that, especially within state government, we are very cognizant of the data that we ever collect on people. We have various laws and regulations that we must follow to ensure that safety, so that we don't have data breaches, so that we don't have those types of compromises. Mm-hmm. And there is, if uh, if in a small chance that was to occur, we have mechanisms that we have to follow to notify people when their data was breached, right? Oftentimes, public uh, companies don't always notify folks right away, and it comes right. out down the line. Um, but it's just, uh, to your point, if you, you feel like it's you're not comfortable giving any type of data, then don't give it out. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I think we become so we've become integrated as a society with our social media platforms. And so oh, yes. we really end up posting a lot of information. And again, most of the time that data is used to market stuff to you, but there are those off chances that it's used for a, a malicious purpose. And so just be cognizant of, of what you're posting. Obviously, never post, you know, your address, your things like that. Those are things that I really highly advise against. Yeah. Um, even yeah. your phone number on social media can be a little um, daunting to post. And I recommend against it. I know that a lot of, of, of creators and, and folks use social media to drum up their businesses. And, yes. and in those cases, obviously they, I hope they take those precautions when they're advertising stuff, but you know, as a, as a citizen, as an older American, that the older Americans that we serve, my advice is it's fine to engage on social media. Just be cognizant of what you're posting and make sure that it's kind of that least amount that, that you can put on. And it's fine to, again, share those thoughts and, 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 and in pictures and everything else. But they are using that data most of the time to market to you. So it's oh, important yes. to realize that you will start getting those targeted ads. If you put, you know, my favorite purse is a Louis Vuitton, you're going to start mm-hmm. getting ads, you know, because that's the, it's, it's designed to be a commerce gener or, you know, revenue generating platform. So. Oh gosh. Yes. I mean, it's it. certainly turned into that. It used to be back in the old day eh? <laughs> it used to be facebook was much more social yes. message based now you go on and it takes an extra 15 minutes to go through all the ads let yep. alone any messages and instagram for me it's cool but it's to me it's just a marketplace now yes. it's tons and tons of ads scrolling through so i agree um but beyond my own platform or about the platforms uh how often do you recommend people ch- before a breach how often should a person change their passwords? You know, the industry best practice is 90 days. There's there's wow. some different some different thoughts around complexity of passwords. If you have things like two-factor or multi-factor authentication turned on, and what that is, is, you know, if you sign into your email account, if you have that secondary verification, it'll send a text number to your phone or mm-hmm. call you to verify that it is you, right? And I encourage folks that use those tools whenever, whenever available. If a platform, okay. if a service offers, offers multi-factor or two-factor authentication, utilize it. It's an extra step that can protect you. If, again, the longer the passwords, the, the less likely you'll have to change it in its frequency. Um, but but as a, as a general rule, every 90 days, you should change passwords. And again, don't write them down. I know it's, you know, uh, go online, look for 
a password manager. There's a lot of reputable ones out there that you can download through like the app stores on your phones, your tablets. Um, but this way you can store your passwords. And so the way the password managers work is when you log into a website or into an application, and many phones have this built in. Our iPhones, our Android phones have that mm-hmm. service through their respective you know, operating systems where you can remember passwords. Um, and oftentimes before you can use that password, it requires some type of verification, whether it's like your your retina, right? Your face scan, your fingerprint before it'll auto populate that information into whatever you're trying to access. So there's a master password that you set up in most cases on your phones, it's your biometrics, but those password managers can help keep your password safe. Um, Mm -hmm. And they can help you uh, not having to write down and remember passwords. Another benefit of these things is that you can do a random generated long password, right? So it can help you create a very long uh, random created password that then gets stored within its, its, you know, its file. And then you don't have to necessarily come and think of new passwords every time you need to change (laughs) it. But I mean, there's a myriad of ways that that you can kind of help yourselves remember these passwords and also stay safe. But um, 90 days is a good rule of thumb. Do we all do it? I'm guilty of not doing it unless I'm forced. Uh, you know, all <laughs> that. Um, but I try to be cognizant that when I set up my passwords that I do utilize longer passphrases. In fact, the other day I was I was being razzed by one of my uh, teammates and they said, wow, that's a really long password. We're logging in in a conference room. And I said, yeah, but it's going to be harder to hack. And she says, well, how many characters is that? And I said, I don't even know. I counted. <laughs> it's a 37 character password. So, you know, but it's, again, oh. I use phrases, I use sentences because it's easier to remember for one and two, it creates that complexity that makes it harder for people to, to, you know, hack those passwords. I like the idea of using sentences. Um, uh, for <laughs> me, what I'll use is affirmation. So it's like, exactly. oh, my life is really wonderful. <laughs> I'm healthy, happy. Uh, I, I'll, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> My favorite day is Monday. I oh. you, know, <laughs> you can use whatever, but th- th- just some some tidbits. Of course, you know. Again, I know that it's sometimes not as practical as, as I can sit here from a from a CIO perspective and say I think these are the best things that we can do. But in practicality, sometimes it's not always the easiest. And I know that you know we're about simplicity. We want to be able to access our apps and our things. Yes. Matter and nobody wants to be struggling on us on a on an iPhone screen trying to type their password that's you know 38 characters long. So I understand that there's a balance, but being mindful is the number one thing that you can do. Um, don't share your passwords, don't share your information, and just being mindful when you're browsing, when you're reading emails of what you're clicking on, what you're looking at. And 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 if you ever have questions, if you ever have doubts, reach out. A lot of, uh, depending on the services you have, even within your home, have you know some protection offerings through your internet service provider, or oh. you know, call a local computer shop if you really feel like you know you, you you got something compromised and you're unsure. You know, oftentimes they can do a, an assessment for relatively inexpensive, you know, an inexpensive cost to make sure that you didn't compromise anything. So it's always better to be safe. Um, I know. I, in my family, I've become the dedicated IT support, which I'm perfectly fine with. I spend at least a couple of days a week on the phone with mom and dad troubleshooting issues or dealing with those questions, but I'm happy to do it because if it keeps them safe, I want to make sure that they're protected as well. So I'm always happy to to do that, but you know, it's, don't let it scare you. Just be mindful of it. I like mindfulness is uh, one of my favorite 
practices. So I, <laughs> I just never, I think of mindfulness more mystically and spiritually. And now it's like, no, I think I need to think of it technologically. Being mindful uh, with with passwords, with scams and spams. And uh, it's like lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to take up much more of your time because I'm going to invite you back because there's so much more. I was like, oh, I have to ask him about this, this, and this. And um, this is probably a lot to absorb because I don't think any of us want to hear what you've said because we have gotten, you know, a little complacent about our internet and technology and we don't want to type 37 character passwords or get spammed. So we'll get to that and we'll come back with AI. So in conclusion, is there anything that you would like to share or a couple of tips You've already said about the passwords. Anything else that you want to give the listeners before we close out? Well, I I want to just first and foremost say thank you for having me uh, on today. This has been an absolute delight. I'm always uh, excited to chat about technology. It's been my passion for about 25 years ish now uh, in that in that area. Um, and I've enjoyed every moment of it. I, I, I think that technology can really enhance our lives in a positive way. And I want folks yes. to remember that, right? We're so connected today and it has technology has allowed us to keep connected with our loved ones, even in the midst of a, of a, of a global pandemic. Right. And, and as we saw Platforms even exploded. For example, TikTok, it took off, right? Folks found a way to express their creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, and, and, and I know there's some controversy around that platform, yeah, right now. but to the point that technology has allowed us to stay connected in a way that we've never been connected before, you know, um, for folks that, that, that made the, those that were around when the telephones were first invented, right. Which we know that that population, cause it's been so long, but we've evolved in a way where now not only can we hear somebody, we can see somebody and we can really interact in a positive way. And so utilize the the digital platforms that are out there keep yourselves informed keep yourselves connected but just remember to keep yourselves safe be mindful of what you're clicking on that's the number one thing i can say is be mindful of the emails that look suspicious the hyperlinks that you're clicking on and Mm -hmm. if you get those random texts and calls just be mindful if you're not expecting you know, that call or, or, or you're not, you know, if it's one of those, you, eh, the number might look familiar, right? It's okay to just hang up and block the number as well. Just be mindful. But I am excited because I love, I'm, I'm loving the challenge of finding new ways that we can push technology solutions to our older adults to help them. And there's a whole lot more we could definitely talk about. We're doing some exciting things with like smart home technologies to help folks within their own realms. There's some things coming up that we're really looking forward to. Um, and so I, I really just encourage as, as a technology person myself, leverage it and 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 help you know use it to make your lives better but like anything just be be aware of how you're using it and everything will be just fine oh oh this is great i could sit here and talk to you for forever but i think that uh, we this way we will leave uh, people's appetites ready like oh when's he coming back i am happy to come back anytime <laughs> you would have me oh I this have, would be great and i've I'm, enjoyed it I'm going to give people my email so they can send me questions if they want and they can call. Would you repeat the number for, for ALTSD? And I know the website is aging.nm.gov. 
And then if they were to call, it's 1-800. You'd think I'd have it memorized by now. 432-2080. 2080. That's it. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, oh, I can't wait. Okay, well, I'm going to have you back. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for this. It's very exciting. Now I have to have homework about new passwords. <laughs> oh, but I'd rather stay ahead of the game than be a victim to the game. So thank you so much. And I will look forward to having you return. And thank you. And I appreciate you having me. And I look forward to being back. All right. Take care. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. And thank you, Tim Strzok, for being our guest. I am really looking forward to your return so we can talk more technology. And I love the fact that you rewired a lot of our listeners with the idea that just because you're older doesn't mean you don't use, understand, or like technology. Technology can be our friend and it's not going anywhere. So the more user-friendly we can make it, the better. So I'm looking forward to your return. And I am so glad that you are here with us on our show and now you know how to contact if you need more support from the aging and long-term services department and if you want to reach out to me directly if you have an idea for a theme for one of the podcasts or you just want to say howdy please send me an email yourliferewired at gmail.com until we meet again remember to reconnect reframe and rewire Thanks to the Aging and Long-Term Services Department of New Mexico for sponsoring our show. Our original music was written and sung by New Mexico's own Lydia Clark. Join us for Midweek Uplift next Wednesday, streaming at noon Mountain Standard Time. I'm your announcer, Don Converse. Till then, stay plugged in. and inspiration you've